Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. Ivy, you can bring the lights up. I want to see all these beautiful faces. Oh, hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, you look good, you look good, you look good. You know what? Can we just give it up for the Theobalds real quick? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to get right to it today, but before we start, let me refer back to our public speaking class that we did two weeks ago. <laughs> my name is Pastor JR. My name is John R. Butcher Jr. No, I'm not John R. Butcher Sr. Obviously, I'm not light-skinned and bald-headed, <laughs> but I am his firstborn son. I'm the youth pastor here at the Building Christian Fellowship, also production leader, alongside my beautiful wife, Erica Butcher. She's the greatest help me that I can ever pray for, ask for. She... God blessed me tremendously, because uh, the transition from one kid to two kids, Lord Jesus. God, God gives each one a measure of faith. Amen. Hallelujah. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 16. We're going to get right into it. Matthew chapter 16, starting from verse 13. When you get there, say, I got, it. I, got it. I got it. If you don't have your Bible, what are you doing? It's 2021. Download the Version Bible app. Get whatever the Bible app, whatever Bible app you can get to get your word. I even encourage you to get a paper Bible. Get you a paper Bible. That doesn't have notifications and Facebook feeds and all these other things. But Matthew chapter 16, if you don't have it, look at the Sky Bible. And if you're watching from home, you have the ability to watch on your screen. Matthew chapter 16. Starting from verse 13, it says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? By, by him saying Son of Man, he's speaking of himself. It was a title that he gave to himself that was prophetic through the word. Read your Bible. You find out. But in verse 14, it says, Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked to them, but who do you say that I am? Look at your neighbor and say, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You do not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will receive, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. In verse 20, which, which makes me scratch my head, honestly, is, then he sternly warned the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. He sternly warned the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. The title of today's message, if you're taking notes, is Faith with Low Expectations. 
Faith with low expectations. Man, Ruben, you wouldn't believe it, bro. So I was at, at, at a, a, a store that rhymes with mall cart uh, here in the city. You'll get that when you get home. But I was at this store, right? And I was at this store for like three hours. I should be more specific. I wasn't at the store for three hours. I was in the store parking lot for three hours. And now I don't know if anybody like me has taken advantage of that good old curbside pickup. I know Chick-fil-A is familiar with me real well. I got all the points. I'll be getting extra spicy chicken sandwiches, all of it. You know what I'm saying? But my wife and I, we have two kids. Like I said, we have two under five, and, and, and it's not really easy during this pandemic to go into the store with two kids. So we've been taking advantage of this curbside pickup. Now, usually we go to the store in Susun, Ruben. That, that's my store. They keep it relatively clean. Ain't a whole lot of crazy people there. I can go in, get out, and not have to worry about anything, right? But for whatever reason, you know, I trust my wife. My wife sends me to the Fairfield Walmart. So I was like, okay. Hey, 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 hey. I, where we live, we live right in between both. So it's like it's equal distance. So like it really doesn't make a difference. But it's my first time doing curbside pickup pick in, in Fairfield at Walmart, right? Usually the protocol is this. I find a parking spot. I call the number. They bring my groceries. Right? Right? Has anybody experienced this before? You call the number. They bring your groceries. You can go on about your day, right? I called the number. And it said the message box was full. And then they have the nerve to have a message from Christmas Eve. This was Monday, okay? Christmas trees are put away. Like, why are you still have a Christmas Eve message on your phone? So I'm upset. But mind you, we've kind of gotten to the point now where you can't really act a fool in Fairfield, Susan, or Vacaville because, like, isn't that Pastor JR? Can't do that. So I'm in the parking lot, and mind you, I didn't know that DoorDash did groceries now. Put it this way. I was sitting there so long that the DoorDash guy picked up groceries, left and dropped them off, and came back to pick up some more groceries. That's how long I was there. But little did I know, I was getting frustrated. I went inside. I was asking, like, look, I'm here to pick up for Erica Butcher. I've been out there for an hour. I've been calling the number. I even called the main number, and I couldn't get through to anybody. How come I can't get my groceries? She's like, okay, okay, just give me one second. It'll be out there in just a moment. Matter of fact, it'll be out there when it's out there. And I'm like, I worked a little bit in customer service, so when somebody gives me bad customer service, I'm hot. So I'm like, okay, cool. Go back to my car. More time went by. I asked another lady that was passing out groceries. She's like, hey, where are my groceries at? Well, what's your name? I'm picking up for Erica Butcher. She's like, uh, well, it says here that you're eight minutes away. How would you know that? Well, 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 our protocol here at our store is that through the app, we can tell where you're at. So by the time that you get here, we can get your groceries ready and bring them out to you. That, that phone number isn't something that even works anymore. Listen, listen, this is new protocol. Listen, I had came to this Fairfield Walmart with an expectation that if I put in a certain amount of things, then I'm going to get something out of it. That little did I know that there was a protocol, that there was a true way to get the things that I needed. All right. I see you going. Come on. Stick with me. That in, 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 this, in this passage, the picture that it paints is this. 
You had people that saw Jesus. You had people that saw the great things that he did. They believed him to be a prophet. They believed him to be a good man. They even believed him to be, to be a Messiah. But their expectations were too low. So, 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 so here's what I'm trying to tell you today. As the church, as the body of believers, when you came in today, what was your expectation? Was it just to get a need met? Now that we opened up the church doors, like, I just want to feel good for a moment. I want to hear the good music and the good worship and go home and feel good about myself for the rest of the week. Your expectations are too low. Maybe you came in here and like, look, I've been trying to break this addiction over and over again. I've done all the programs. I've done all the right things. Maybe if I start going to church, I can break this addiction. Your expectations are too low. This is the expectation that we need to have, that Jesus is the Son of God and he is our Savior. Because in that, in us recognizing that Jesus is the Savior, in us recognizing that we have to seek the kingdom first and all things are added, that addiction is broken. That freedom is being, you can be set free with your freedom. Well, when you have problems, it's all taken away because you are found in Jesus Christ. The word of God says, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Now, if you come in here with your own expectations, prescribing to God, like, look, God, I need you to fix my addiction. He's like, no, I need to fix your heart. God, I need to fix my pornography addiction. Like, no, I need to fix your heart. There's so many of us that are trying to deal with the fruit of a problem, not deal with the root. That, that Jesus did not come to just, just, just do all the things here on earth. He came to set us, from, set us free from a kingdom that, that, that we can't see, that, that kingdom of sin. In this passage, the multitudes, the people in this passage, they were familiar with the Messiah that was supposed to come. That the Messiah in their eyes was supposed to be this guy that was supposed to ride in on a horse and to take over the kingdom and, and to overthrow the government that had been oppressing them. And at that time, it was the Roman government. But little did they know, when they were looking for somebody to overthrow the, uh, the, the earthly kingdom, God was here to come and overthrow a heavenly king or a spiritual kingdom. Where are your expectations at? Who is Jesus Christ to you? Is he just somebody you come to when you want to? Is he somebody that you come to when you're feeling bad? Is he somebody that you come to where you just get a fix? Or is he somebody that you have a real relevant relationship with? We got three things that we're going to observe about the crowd today. And we got three things that we're going to talk about to make us a better church, a better place to, to, to hold the spirit of the living God. Amen? The multitudes believed that Jesus was a good man. They compared him to John the Baptist. They believed that he was a prophet. They believed that good things happened just by being around Jesus. They did. If you read the book of Matthew just by itself, Jesus fed 5,000. Jesus fed the 4,000. He had been feeding thousands and thousands of people. He had been letting the blind and led them to see again. He made the lame be able to walk again. He had been doing all these miracles. But we have to look deeper, Amen. Our first thing that we need to observe about the crowd, or one thing that we need to observe that the crowd thought about Jesus is this. Jesus could gather a crowd. Jesus did a good job at gathering a crowd. Like, you don't gather 5,000 people plus women and children by accident. Matter of fact, he did it twice. Matter of fact, if you read your word in Matthew, he gathers multitudes over and over again. But here's the first point that we're going to make today. While in community with God's people... We cannot neglect communion with God himself. Yes. Yes. While in community with God's people, 
We cannot neglect communion with God himself. Now, I know we're excited that the church doors are open. I know we're excited that we can get to see all the people's faces that we haven't seen in months, that we can come into the house and we can lift our hands and do all the good things. But listen, all this feeling good doesn't mean anything until you get connected to Jesus. It doesn't mean anything until you get connected to Jesus. There's, there's this little phrase that we say in, in our vision. It's to have a real, relevant relationship with Jesus Christ. A real and relevant relationship with Jesus Christ is something that's so real that in the midst of everything that's going on, my relationship is still intact. That, 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 that my relationship with God is so relevant that, that even when I have my doubts, even when I have my thoughts, even when I have everything together, I'm putting my faith in Jesus over my own knowledge. That's what a real relevant relationship is about. Because a lot of times, let me share something with you. The people in the church are flawed. They're absolutely flawed. And there's something that we need to break a part of us today, okay? Is that so many people walk away from church because they've been hurt by people. And then they blame God for it. Or so many people that, that had never been in church before say, oh, I tried church. And it didn't really work out for me. Let me encourage you today to have communion with God himself. Rather than you seeking after, saying, well, as long as I'm here, as long as I, I get here and I go to every service and I come Sunday and I come Tuesday and I come on Thursday nights for youth and I serve in all the ministries and do all the things, until you get connected, that's just a program. That's just self-help. And listen, the Building Christian Fellowship is not in the business of behavior modification. We're not in the business of behavioral modification. I don't mean to call out any parents, but look, I know your son may be acting up. I know your daughter might be out there. But listen, it's going to take more than you just dropping them off here on Thursday nights. Did I step on toes? We good still? It's going to take more than you just dropping them off. Because we can create the atmosphere here, but the atmosphere has to be created at home too. That we have to recognize that, look, as a parent, and I'm learning this having two kids now, is that my kids, the, the, the best message that they ever see is the message that they see from their parents. If you're wholly sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost on Sunday, but cussing people out on Monday, you're not creating the atmosphere of holiness. Matter of fact, you're sharing with your child that, look, this is what a relationship with God looks like. That while I'm on the outside, that while I'm in the group of people, I'm going to be holy. But when I'm by myself, my integrity goes out the window. To have communion with God means this. Look, my relationship happens in public, in private, uh, when I'm giving God worship in, in, in the sanctuary, and when I'm praying in my prayer closet. Everything stays consistent because the God that I serve is consistent. That what we're seeking after is to be holy like God is holy. That God doesn't change with the weather. God doesn't change with the circumstance. That God is the rock. He is the foundation that Matthew chapter 16 is talking about. And I'm getting ahead in my notes. For those of you that have a Catholic background, you know who the St. Peter is. You believe that St. That, that Peter was the person that the church was founded on. That's not true. That's not what the scripture says. It's the thing that he professed for that was the rock that Jesus was talking about. When he says that on this rock, I will build my church. He was talking about the truth of Jesus Christ being the Messiah and the son of the living God. Amen. Am I losing you? Am I losing you? This is what the church is built on. 
not just on behavioral modification, not just on people, not just on things, not just on programs, but it's built on the truth that Jesus is the Savior, that Jesus is alive, that Jesus is the Son of the living God. The crowds in Matthew chapter 16 had an idea of who the Messiah was. It was okay that they believed that he was the Messiah, but they had a skewed view of what the Messiah was supposed to be. They had a skewed view of of, of how he was supposed to operate. They thought that, well, well, as long as as Jesus, as the Messiah comes and he fulfills it in the kind of way that I'm comfortable with, then I'll be comfortable following him. Anybody familiar with with the rich young ruler? How the rich young ruler was comfortable approaching Jesus saying, good teacher, what, what, what's the greatest of the commandments? What, what, what can I do to be a better version of myself? And Jesus is like, all that goodness that you think you have, get rid of it and follow me. We don't want to hear that. That although we deal with the guilt of our addiction, we like the addiction secretly. Oh, it's quiet. That although we deal with, with, with anger issues, we kind of like it because it kind of makes us feel better deep down inside. That a part of, 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 of throwing away what we know and repenting and turning towards Christ is, is throwing away everything that we thought we knew. Not just the parts that we're willing to give up, not just the parts that we think that we need taken out, but to give up everything, to give everything to Christ. I love the way that my wife preached it on Thursday. She was basically saying, like, look, you can't compartmentalize your life when you come to church. Like, like, like God, I'll trust you with my finances, but I'm going to keep my relationship stuff over here. Like, God, I trust you with raising my kids, but when it comes to me seeking after a job to provide for myself, I'm going to keep this over here. That we have to trust God with everything, amen? amen. Our first point was while in community with God. People, we cannot neglect communion with God himself. We saw that, that, that Jesus can gather a crowd. Our next point is this. The crowd saw Jesus as a prophet. That's a good thing, right? To see him as a prophet, to see him as somebody that speaks the word of God. You know how many religions think that Jesus was a prophet? That it's not just Christians that believe that Jesus spoke the word of God, that, 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 that the nation of Islam believed that Jesus was a good prophet, that, that, that different religions believe that Jesus was a good man. That expectation isn't high enough. We have, to be, we have to be and come into a place that we're not just looking to be inspired, but to be transformed. Our second point is this. While seeking inspiration from God, we must seek transformation through his word. While seeking inspiration from God, we must seek transformation through his word. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says this. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. It, it, it disturbed me a couple months ago, and, and Ruben, I don't know, Ruben's my, my dog. He's like one of my best friends, so I keep talking to Ruben. But Ruben, bro, I was watching, I was watching that documentary I was telling you about, that Tony Robbins documentary, right? And it really disturbed me in the way that it ended. Because the way that it ended, and, and you can go and look it up if you want to, but as a believer, I know how church usually operates, especially modern church. You know, the lights, having all the things, having the stage, having the microphones, having the music. This, this, this self-help program ended its conference in the raising of hands and shouting of voices. It, it was really peculiar to me that how can, how can 
this, 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 this non-religious group talk about raising of hands and lifting up of a voice. When that is the very thing that we do in church to give God the glory and the honor and the praise. Isn't that peculiar? Isn't it peculiar that even at sport games that, that we lift up our voice and that we raise our hands? It might seem like something simple. It, it might seem like something that's little. But listen, when we come into church, when we lift up our voices, when we raise our hands, we, ready or to, we are ready to be transformed into the image of Christ. We are not here to be inspired. We are not here to be the best versions of ourselves, but we are here to be conformed into the image of Christ. Listen, I'm trying to break some of you guys' reasons for coming to church. We come here for Jesus. The youth group is dope. The music is dope. It's dope. It's dope. I'm going to get roasted for that later. But we don't come to church to make ourselves feel better. We don't come to church just to hear a couple good songs and to hear pastor's message on on how we can have better hope and and how we can have better joy and how we can live our best life now. It's more than that. It's about being transformed and renewed by the word of God. That listen, it's it's good that that we assemble ourselves. I'm not saying that we shouldn't come to church. Listen, let me make that very clear. This isn't an anti-church message. This is a pro-Jesus message, amen? Amen. That we are not just united because of our proximity. We are not united just for the simple fact that we are within the same city or that we have the same skin color or the fact that we're, we're family members. I have family members that are far from God. What unites us What truly unites us as a church is the spirit of the living God. That's what unites us. That's what Jesus prayed for. He's like, look, God, Father, I want them to be one like you and I are one. I want them to be united like like, like you and I are, are united. Not like these groups that are out there saying, well, love is love. Let's just all be together in love. When it's deeper than that, that that true love sacrifices, that that true love will will love us enough to tell us when we're wrong, that that true love isn't love without truth. So we have to recognize, look, we're not here just to get inspired to do better. We're here to be transformed so that we can be made into the image of Christ. Like, Jr., you keep saying that over and over again. What are you talking about? So many people, so many of us have the order of operations out of order. Remember before I was talking about behavioral modification? How too many of us come to church thinking like, well, I can learn how to, how to walk like a Christian and talk like a Christian and maybe learn a couple of scriptures. But if there is no transformation on the inside, it doesn't mean anything. The book of Jeremiah says that the heart is deceitfully wicked above all else. Who knows it? I, the Lord, the Lord knows our hearts. He knows how wicked it is. That's the reason why he wants us to bring our hearts to him. Because this heart, this, this flesh, this thing that, that guides and leads our directions, if we give it the, the, the chance to, will lead us into sin. It'll lead us into death. And God is saying, look, if I can just transform your heart, that's where you'll see the change. If I can just transform your heart, that's where you'll see freedom. If I can just transform your heart, that's when you'll start to see addiction broken. If I can just transform your heart, then you'll stop wanting after things that you think you need. And you'll start wanting after my presence. Because it's important to know this. 
If you think that you're sliding by by just coming to church and learning all the right things and doing all the right things, you're not truly free. You know what you're doing? You're you're adding chains to your bondage. It might seem like you're free because you can walk a little bit farther, but the chain just got a little bit longer. That true freedom is when the chains are broken. That true freedom is when I can move and walk the way that the Spirit of God leads me. We have to have the type of faith that breaks chains. The Word of God says, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. He didn't say that by accident. He didn't say that by conditions. He said, look, if you just give me your heart, if you just give me that thing that's been guiding you, and you allow me to guide you, and and, and allow me to make your heart like mine, that's where you'll see freedom. Our first point was while in community with God's people, we cannot neglect communion with God himself. Our second point was while seeking inspiration from God, we must seek transformation through his word. And our third point was this, is this, is the people in the past has recognized that Jesus was the Messiah. That's good. But their view on it was messed up. Here's my last point as I come to a close. While we learn more about who God is, we must accept that he is revealed only by his spirit. Listen very closely. While we learn about who God is, we must accept that he is revealed only by his spirit. This, this thing really puzzled me, Right? Do you know that there are atheists that go to seminary? If y'all don't know what seminary is, it's like the the, the master's level of of Christian learning. That people that are far from God, that don't believe God is real, that that don't believe in, in Jesus or anything like that, will go to seminary to learn about the word but won't be transformed by that word. That in the Bible it talks about you cannot read spiritual things with a carnal mind. You cannot try to read spiritual understanding with a a fleshly and earthly mind. That God's truth, that God's love is revealed by himself. That I can preach until my face turns blue. We can have you Sunday after you Sunday. But until you encounter the presence of God for yourself, is where you'll come to a realization, a revelation of him. So it's good. I'm happy when we have you Sundays. The worship team can get up, and, 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 and wisdom has the opportunity to play altar call. That's awesome. But it's until you take the opportunity to experience the presence of God for yourself where you will truly see change. Where are your expectations today? Are your expectations just to be a better person? Are your expectations like, well, it's my first time here, and I got invited, and I'm just going because my friend invited me. I'll come in, I'll get out, I'll go home, I'll watch the Pro Bowl, and probably go take a nap. Our expectation has to be that every time that we enter this church, that every time that we we enter into the presence of God, we get to know him for who he truly is, that he is our Savior, that he is our Messiah, that he is our King, that he is our Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 says this. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. I was talking with Pastor Donald just Saturday, Friday, Saturday, can't remember. But but Pastor Donald, and I encourage you guys, be here on Tuesday nights. Be here to rightly divide the word. 
be here to learn more and more about what God says about you, amen, what he says about himself, amen. Over the past couple of months, we've been going over the book of John, and I was talking to them, and I noticed this particular pattern in John chapter 2, chapter 3, and chapter 4. And, and, and give me like a head nod if you guys remember these stories. In John chapter 2, Jesus talks about destroying the temple. Now, to the people that were discerning it physically and discerning it's like, you're going to destroy the temple and raise it up in three days? It took us 64 years to raise this, raise this temple. You're going to do it in three days? What Jesus was talking about is, look, not that temple, but this temple. I'm about to do something that's going to set everyone free. In John chapter 3, it says this. It talks about you have to be born again to receive Jesus. When Jesus was talking to Nicodemus and he's like, you have to be born again, Nicodemus. This is one of Donald's songs. You should listen to it. He's like, you have to be born again, Nicodemus. And Nicodemus was an old man. He's like, I'm old, old, old. How can I return to my mother's womb to be born again? And Jesus is like, that's not the rebirth that I'm talking about. That's not the renewal that I'm talking about. That what I'm about to do on this cross, what I'm about to do through my resurrection will make you re uh, have the ability to be reborn again. John chapter 4, Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman at the well. Where she's talking about that, that the reason why she goes to worship and where she goes to worship. And Jesus is like, there is coming a time even now where, 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 where it won't matter where you worship. Because you'll be able to worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And what does she say? You must be a prophet. Well, when the Messiah comes, is what she says. When the Messiah comes, he'll give us all truth. And Jesus, I can, I can imagine Jesus doing this, going, I am him. I am the Messiah that you're waiting on. Not this idea that you have of me, but I am truth by itself. I am goodness by itself. That I don't, I don't need your goodness plus me. That I don't need your righteousness plus me. I don't need your understanding plus me. You need me. Where are your expectations? That I pray today that you don't leave here with the expectation that, okay, I learned the word of God. Let me just add that to my life and things will get better. No, swipe away. The true heart of repentance says, look, everything that I counted as wisdom, as goodness, as righteousness, it's done to me. It's crap to me. And I'm going to lean towards Jesus, towards his wisdom, towards his love, towards his righteousness, towards his healing to truly be set free. We can all stand to our feet. Our expectation has to be in Christ alone. Not in our own understanding. Not in our own wisdom. But in the wisdom that God provides. Through God's word that he provides. The word that God provided was Jesus. So I'm encouraging you with all heads bowed and all eyes closed. I don't know what your expectation was for you Sunday this Sunday. I don't know what your expectation for coming to church or tuning into church was this Sunday. But let me encourage you to level up your expectation. Because faith with low expectations isn't faith at all. If you're having faith with low expectations, you're just having faith in your own power. If you're here today, and you're ready to tell Jesus, like, Jesus, I repent 
for my sins. Jesus, I repent for missing the mark. Jesus, I repent for the things that I've done, and I'm turning towards you. Not just for a moment, but the God that we serve has a plan for eternity. Not just for a season, but for, 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 for forever. So if you are here today and you want to accept Jesus Christ into your heart and have the expectation that, that he can deliver how he can, I want you to raise your hand. Real simple. I see your hand. Hallelujah. I see your hand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is the next step. It's repentance. It's repentance. It's more than just a prayer. It's repentance. This is a heart issue. It's repentance. Creating me a clean heart. Renewing me a right spirit. Restoring to me the joy of your salvation. God, this morning we are coming to you with a broken spirit and a contrite heart. God, we are tired. We are weary. We are weak. And we recognize today that our strength is only found in you. That our joy is only found in you. That true love can't be experienced without you. So God, that I, pr I pray, Lord, as we pray in agreement that you become Lord of our lives. Lord, that we keep your commandments. That we seek after your face and not just after your hand. Lord God, the blessings that you have for us are exceedingly and abundantly more than we can ask or think, God. We trust you in everything. That we will not compartmentalize all of ourselves to you, God. The addiction, the joy, God, everything. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give God a praise? <laughs> Hallelujah! That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.